I'm Commander Shepard, and the Unnamed Games Podcast is my favorite podcast on the Citadel. Shepard out. Good evening, good afternoon, good night. That was, that was a swift cut People there, of the internet, it was a swift cut. I fancied a swift cut. I wanted you to hear me immediately. Yeah. Now, the astute <laughs> Listen to me. I am important. I'm you in charge this, this week. I'm I Phil. I rule with listen. an iron fist. Now, silence. Yeah, yeah we know how that goes, Phil. Every time you've said you rule. You said, what was that time you said, we're going to keep this down to an hour and a half this week because I'm in charge of. Did, did that run to an hour and a half? No, it did not, my friend. I just said an hour, and it was an hour and 40. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sure, as the uh, the few viewers we do have noticed, I am not the usual host. Um, he was off uh, waxing his head, uh, making it shine appropriately, and he was worried it would be too shiny, and it would glare from the camera. So he said, do you want to host it this week, Phil? And I went, yeah, sure, why not? Uh, as I've already been completely roasted by the usual reprobates, we have, of course, Mr. Allen, Mr. Longfang's Howlet. How are you? I'm very good, my friend. I'm very happy to be here. Had last week off, so uh, I'm all fresh and ready to rant about new stuff. Prepped and ready to go. Like Indeed. it, like it. Chris, Rasta tweets. How are we doing? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm just. I was just considering something, Phil, and I just realised that this is why you volunteered to host it, so you cannot possibly be last. That you is have true. To be first. That is true. Is, you say that though, but actually, I haven't introduced myself yet. So technically, so, I am still last, so, so you even without realising so, I made it. Yeah, so hold on. So you so did you it to managed, yourself. Yeah, somehow you managed to put yourself in a position to control everything and not be last, and then put yourself in last. That's exactly it. That's exactly I mean, that's, 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 the world is telling you something right there, Phil. <laughs> the universe is... Look, there are two important positions in a race, first and last. Everything else is irrelevant. So if I can't be first, I might as well be last. And for anyone who hasn't that is me, diesel. Phil, Speed Freak Phil, last, despite the fact I'm hosting. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell that to the Williams Formula One team. Yeah, I was going to say, so I'm pretty up sure the, the philosophy rear. of Vin Diesel <laughs> isn't the philosophy of Vin Diesel, it doesn't matter, he's, like, winning's winning, and that's the only thing that matters. Like, Vin, oh. and, and as we know, Vin Diesel is a source of all knowledge. It's know. true, but since I can't win or come first, therefore last is the next most important position. <laughs> you don't ever hear somebody talk about, oh, well done, you got sixth place, do you? No. I'm going to refer you to my Formula One comment of a few moments ago, but but still, carry on. You carry right on, Phil. I shout. No, I'm not going to carry on. You know, this is all going horribly wrong. It's a car crash already. (laughs) Two minutes, 53 seconds. You're welcome, Phil. You are very welcome. It's a service we are happy to provide. I know, with great pleasure. You can can see the smugness on your face, Alan. It's there permanently. What are you talking about? It's my permanent face. (laughs) Love it. Well, you know what? Before I get roasted anymore, should we move on to some of the uh, topics of the evening? Now, before we do anything else, um, I would just like to raise a swift point. So last week we talked about the um, the games bundle to support the you know the people displaced in Ukraine over the Russia and Ukraine conflict, Um, and it was the itch.io bundle. And as of this week. Humble Bundle has now got on board as the Itch Bundle finished. They are now doing a support Ukraine bundle as well. Um, I believe the kind of minimum costing is £30 in there. So it's a bit more expensive than the Itch.io bundle. But they have got some pretty big names in terms of sort of games attached. So just reference all the money that you pay for these games. It all goes uh, across four charities, which is 
Raisin for Ukraine, International Rescue Committee, International Media Corps, and Direct Relief. So it does all go to charity, but they had games like uh, Back for Blood on there. I'm just looking at it now. There's some killer stuff in there. Sunset yeah, please Overdrive, do. I haven't actually got it on my screen. Read it. Read out Sun, the headlines so, for so, me. What's got, so these are so Satisfactory, Back for Blood, Metro Exodus, the Enhanced Edition on PC, Spyro Reignited, Max Payne 3, Sunset Overdrive, Quantum Break, Fable World Anniversary, This War Mine, Fable. there's um, Kerbal Space Program, uh, Pop-Up Dungeon, Starbound, um, I think it was uh, 123 yeah, individual yes, items. So, so it was yeah, something some, like 60 yeah. games. Then there Wasted was um, a bunch of comics in there. So I think about halfway down, there is about 30 or 40 comics in there. Um, yeah, and then cool. there's actually some pretty cool software included in there. So there's a couple of those like pixel-style RPG makers. I think it's called RPG Maker 13 or something. Just like the pixel-style well, games tend to get okay, on Switch. So just to, just to give you a couple of other things, the comics you were saying about, you've got Red yes, Sonja. please do. Petitioning the Queen, Army of Darkness one-shot, Humble Bundle exclusives, if you're a fan of the uh, Evil Dead films, there's an exclusive comic in there. The Starfinder core rulebook for the RPG. Uh, Pathfinder core rulebook for the RPG. Wow. Um, uh, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay um, rules. Um, then you've got Judge Death, My Name is Death, which is a cracking 2018 oh, yeah. story. I'm not uh, less the of Boys, person, The so. Boys, Volume 1 is in there. Oh, the name of the cool. game. So, I mean, yeah, there's loads of stuff in there. That's an amazing bundle. I might have to grab a copy of that myself. Yeah, I already, days uh, left. Yeah, I already donated oh, that? my money Hold in on. There's Hold a on. And? So the one I bought it for, when wow. we discussed it with Craig, there is a Unity um, training package in there to learn how to use the Unity game yeah. engine. Um, and for you, Chris, there is yeah. uh, a bunch of catalogs for 3D printing. Yeah. Yes. So like just props. look at it. There's, um, there's a load of like 3D printable scenery for Dungeons and Dragons or building dioramas with. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a very comprehensive bundle so it's more expensive than the itch.io but there is a lot of really good content in there as well and mm. most importantly all your money goes towards charities that are supporting the displaced people of ukraine so yeah absolutely you know, it's really important we raise that point um yeah and you know what like we're all gamers it's quid pro quo you know your money goes to a good cause you get some proper yep. sick games and content in there as well and, and as, as you said phil the minimum purchase bundle is 30 pounds and 58 pps so i don't know why that's going to be in dollars but um, you know, it's uh, it's probably what, what fifty dollars something like that, isn't it? Around there, probably not in that. But about say about forty something like yeah, that. Yeah, could yeah, it's about one point. Yeah, yeah, it's about forty four, something maybe. like that. The yeah, something's going to be. It's good anyway for that for that much content for that quality of content. That's that's some cracking. That's yeah. a cracking bundle. It's probably so. about just under three grand's worth of content. I think when I was reading the headline for it, wow. you know, if you're buying that stuff at this and price, they, so. and they've ray, uh, raised four and a half million as well so far pounds. That is so. So just from two gaming bundles, that's yeah. north of nine million quid right there going out yeah, to it's Ukraine. Crazy, crazy, good stuff. Really good stuff. So really good cause. I just wanted to drop that in at the start before we move on to the less serious things. Are we ready? Because I'm let's prepped. be let's be less serious now because that was a serious less opening, serious, but, but a very important serious opening nonetheless. Thank you. So I want to talk about what you guys have been up to this week, and I know Alan, you have been back perusing the stars. And seeing what's available out there, haven't you? In two particular locations, would you uh, would you like to share with everybody else what you've been up to, what you've been watching? Um, right, first of all, I want I want I just want to mention: is, is the have you done some work on the display behind you, Phil? Have you actually made the table into a table? Oh, of course, you went on last week. Yes, I built a table. Wait, if I swing this uh, way, so the table that's table. been standing up behind you on the wall for the better part of a year. Is actually now a proper table. You've actually constructed it so that you yeah. can use it as a table, and you've yeah, got two I mean, whole objects on top of it. 
presented two steel box sets. Yep, that's true. I mean, yeah. you, I mean you're clearly what, what showing is, me. The problem is, where I sit, if I put something behind me, it's wasted. And if I put stuff behind that, it's wasted. because Totally. And in fact, the amount of money that me and Chris have spent on our backgrounds, waste of money, clearly. Obviously. Clearly. So, you know, well done, mate. I mean, you've, you've, we've missed a trick, clearly. <laughs> Um, and, and I hold my. I'll have you know for the live watchers, in, yes, I rotate the cases every week. I did spot that because there's a Halo Wars one this week, by the looks of things. There is a Halo Wars. It's actually a really cool case. I'm just going to bring this one a little closer. Yeah. You'll see, I've gone. Oh, that Spartan is nice. Side, that's that's beautiful. I love that. The Elite yeah. side is very cool too. Yeah. So wow. this is no, one of is my cool. preferred display cases. So I quite yeah. regularly uh, shuffle this round to the front of the display. It's very nice. Very so cool. I wanted very to uh, nice. bring that forward because it's very cool. And the other ones are fine. And the, the other thing I just want to bring attention to is behind me, actually. I'm sorry for the listeners, but this is a new speaker I bought today, which we've just and it's been awesome. talking about. And it it's is awesome. Abs- it, is. it looks freaking awesome. It was uh, it was 200 quid, and it's called the Gravastar um, uh, speaker. And it's basically shaped like a little mini robot. And, it, and the sound quality is also banging as well. I'm not going to do it now, but at some point it's going to turn itself off and it'll make a noise like a robot. It's really freaking cool. And it's not reminds up me of really nicely. And yeah. you know, the first Transformers movie, yeah. they put the Nokia phone in the box and then shoot it with the energy from the cube and it turns into a little where it has like a little minigun penis and it starts yep. shooting at the window and the glass and stuff. Have you just got my 200 pound new brand new speaker a mini penis? A mini, no, the, the robot had a minigun penis. That was his thing. You like you transform with legs, and he had a minigun penis. I'm just right. saying, it might transform and attack you at some point. I mean, it's already halfway <laughs> transformed anyway. Penis. And it's going to make me, it's going to intimidate me because they'll have a bigger penis than me. Clearly. So yeah. anyway, moving. Let's no, move when, swiftly when they have on. To write down Alan's cause of death. It will have been mauled to death by an electronic transformer speaker. <sighs> See, Chris, I mean, Craig has been off the podcast for a total of 10 minutes and it has gone completely down the drain, hasn't it, really? Oh, I mean, minigun uh, penis. <laughs> <laughs> we, had, we had a cash salmon last week and a minigun penis this week. What, what, what? what, I'll tell you what I say, this, this podcast is never boring, is it? You know, like we well, always, always got some invention coming up. I mean, you know, I mean, if we, if we were actually more famous and we had more, you know, sort of like listeners, I'm fairly We'd convinced that we would be in the regular press quite regular for some of the crap that comes <laughs> be, out of our mouths. Have been sued our careers would be, we, it would pinnacle quite well, um, but it would end very quickly as we were hiding out in the woods while people were trying to, you know, hunt us down. But anyway, so back <laughs> to your question. The, yeah, yeah, minigun penises, yeah. Um, but moving back to your question of some millennia ago. Um, so this week, um, I, I've been watching uh, a few things. Um, I've been watching Picard, actually. I think yes, it was the third see, episode this stars. week. Yeah, Through the Stars. And I, I generally love Picard. Uh, Next Generation is my era and it is my favourite Star Trek series. But I love all Star Trek. I'm one of those Trekkers. I even love the ones that aren't as good as the... Uh, you know, it's it's... You know, some are better than others, in my opinion. It depends what you like, but it's always about your personal opinion. I don't hate any Star Trek like some Trekkers do. I love it all generally, but I do like Picard. And I really enjoyed the first season. And I thought it was a really good, you know, a character that I really knew well. And there were some faces from the TNG series that showed up. And you were like, wow, that's really cool and everything. And then the second season came out. and watched the first episode and it was just wow it was just epic in every way quite possibly some of the best star trek i've ever watched it had everything that you expect from star trek it wasn't just action but when it had action and it starts off with an action scene and you're just like oh my god that is just amazing yeah Yeah, it's just 
jaw-droppingly, astonishingly good action scenes. But it also has the typical Star Trek making you think about things and, and, and things about the story and about the universe they're in and the characters and dilemmas. And the second episode dropped and it was just like, it was the same thing. And again, uh, uh, some plot episode. reveals that you're... And again, it's very difficult to Mate, talk about it without dropping anything. I'll say on that second episode, yeah. quickly, Alan, yeah. did, 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 I found the, there was one scene which I found quite difficult to watch for so many reasons, but the trophy room. Yeah, like, yeah, I was just yeah. like, it made my skin crawl. I was like, oh, that's yeah. uncomfortable. And, and someone put on a... Twitter a little detail, and it's the one where they have Sarek. And if you look what's hanging underneath Sarek's uh, monument, shall we say, it's like it, just those little flavors. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you guys off air because I want to drop a spoiler. Mm. Yeah, I didn't but catch honestly, that. Honestly, so. oh my well, days. It's like, wow. Yeah. They I mean, really that... thought of everything on this. That whole yeah. room, it gave me very oh. um, original Predator vibes. Yeah, like where everything was kind of but it again sucked it's off and polished and gl- oh, yeah we're going back to mini penises again aren't we sucked off no. but anyway um, <laughs> but but That's anyway it had typical <laughs> it had it had absolutely it was typical Star Trek that there was this real you know thing about you know morals and about mm. the way society had changed because of a slight change in the you know uh, and don't get me wrong the third episode is still really really good Star Trek it did go into a trope that Star Trek has had and once the series is over and we perhaps get a chance to talk about it again I want to bring it up. It's a trope that I'm not a massive fan of and it seems to be a cost saving trope that, <laughs> that, that annoys me and it's it, you know and it's just but that doesn't mean it's still oh, no, a I good episode exactly you're going with that, yeah so. and it's it's kind of like they've done it I before saw that. I was like, and they did it very clever here that saved some money yeah exactly and it's like <laughs> you don't need to they've put absolute fortune into that series it seemed like you could have gone anywhere and you went there and it just it just seems like and it's actually directed uh, as i thought was a little bit of interesting trivia by leah thompson who is uh it from the the back to the future movies yeah. uh old martin mcfly's girlfriend okay. I can't remember her name, <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. You've got a real name, right? And that's the important thing. That's the main thing. Out, so I thought that was cool, but it's no detriment on her you know, skills as a director. I thought the episode was still really good. It just wasn't that same of the first two episodes. Moving on, still on the Star Trek theme, I'm a little bit behind on it. It's been out a couple of months, I think, if not a little bit longer. Lower Decks Season 2. Um, I, I, I really enjoyed the first season. It's so nice for them to be taking risks with Star Trek, you know. There are some people who are like, oh, you know, it's all got to be like this. It's got to be the 20 standard episodes. And it's got to be this and it's got to be that. And I do enjoy it when they, they try to make it more modern. Or they say, you know what, why can't we have a cartoon series based in the Star Trek universe, universe that's a comedy? Why can't we have that? And you can. There's so many like bits in it that like point at in-house references that people wouldn't necessarily get if you haven't watched all the Star Trek. Doesn't mean it's still not funny, but it's even funnier for a trekker who's watching it like me. Yeah, that's kind. It's kind of an in joke. And I enjoyed the first series, and I thought it was really, really good. And then the second series drops, and I was like, again, I was like, wow, this is every single episode. There was something that was just hilarious. There was something that was clever and really well thought out in a story that was interesting but also really really funny and involving some sort of part of the star trek universe like you would probably know and i would talk about darmok um the episode darmok, i was gonna where, bring that yeah up. yeah that and was, it's just yeah. it's just genius you know you've got this character from a fantastic and very much loved um episode of next generation where picard lands on a planet with an alien that talks in metaphors 
Is it metaphors? I think it is, isn't it? I yeah, I, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I can't yeah. remember that far. Darmok and Tanigra at Shinara. They tell stories metaphorically. Is that yeah. how, they, how, they, how they... They talk about things that happened, actual instance, yeah. rather than descriptive, descriptive nouns. And it's just like, that's the whole point about Picard learning the language. And then they have this character on Lower Decks, and he's he's like that, and he talks like that, and it's just an in-joke But doesn't all he, the time. Says, he talks normally, and then all of a sudden his universal translator yeah. will mess up, and Brains. he starts talking like that, and it's like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I thought season two was much better than season much one. Better. So I've got to be honest. I didn't really like season one. I thought season mm. one, I kind of saw the tropes. And I was like, yeah, I like what you're doing with the in jokes, and a couple of them landed. But I thought most of it fell really flat. But the second season for me has been much better, and I really enjoyed like like you were saying. I thought the the way they worked in the in jokes and the yeah. way they were they were talk, talking to the biggest Star Trek universe. These, was these great. are data bubble bath. Are you sure they're not law bubble baths? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. I, I anybody like, who doesn't know TNG would be like, yeah. what are they talking about? Well, the um, and the whole uh, the whole episode where they go where one of the one of the um, where they they start cleaning something off and it, it makes someone a god. I can't remember what happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And that whole thing is obviously leaning into like there's several Star Trek episodes like like Plato's Children and some other bits and pieces. Yeah. Through the TNG, and that was yeah. very early, and I thought that was a great episode. And it was yeah. a good, uh, exactly. I love the way that they're, they're sitting in the universe, and I like the way that within even the Riker that, episodes at the beginning, actually, to be fair, the Titans were, yeah. were great. I, I was I like, love, yep. but I do love the way that they don't try and make out that it kind of happens. It's a bit like the zombie thing, right? It's like in a zombie movie, you they never refer to them as zombies. They're always like every zombie film or yeah. series you've ever seen. It's like, oh, my God, the people are getting up and they're dead. In, in the, our world, if that you know, actually happens, of course, it's not going to be just stupid. But if it did, people would go, oh, my God, that's a zombie. Because we've all yeah. watched it in, in the popular culture. We're not used but to every, but every, Exactly. But in every movie that has zombies in it, nobody's ever watched a zombie movie. And they never call them zombies because they're not. They're the walkers or, or the biters. Or, no, Shufflers. they're freaking zombies, for Christ's sake. Everyone <laughs> knows they're zombies. So, and but that's the thing with Star Star Trek Lower Decks. They're all, they, they're very much aware. It's almost meta in the fact that they refer to things that happen to Picard in episodes, or things that happen to Riker in episodes. Like when we uh, you know one of the, the the characters I can't remember his name. Burst, Burst what's his name? Bur, Bo, Bosner, Boisner. Boys, anyway, one, yeah, something like that. One of the, one of the second main characters. Uh, sad that I don't remember his name. But anyway, he actually ends up getting split in a transport accident, just like Riker does. Thomas and Will Riker, and it's like that's again, that's a, a real in joke, and it all, it's all like well, self-referencing. Best, what, what I loved so about clever. that was what I loved about that was the fact he was serving under Riker when it happened, and Riker's yeah. like, yeah, this is that's how we cool. solve it. And it's like I was like, yeah, that was. That was Boimler. Well like, it's yeah. Boimler. That's what yeah, it that's is. It. Boimler. Boimler. Yeah. Yeah. So fantastic. Really would recommend it. Even if you don't really know Star Trek that much, it is still funny, in my opinion. And I really, really liked it. What else have I watched? Um, I watched The Batman at the cinema. I'm not going to go a huge amount into detail because oh, we are going to try and do a second. So I'm going to try and do a That's an entire episode yeah. right there. Exactly. That's an I'm just going to say I absolutely loved it. It's up right. there with my top Batman movies it's different it, it, it does things differently but what it did for me was bang on point and i'm really looking forward to have a more in-depth discussion with some of the points that you raised chris uh when you talked about it so hopefully we'll do that in the very near future yeah definitely um, definitely do you want to carry on or do you want to move on well actually what what i would like to do in the interest of keeping things even and balanced i'd yeah. like to ask chris about a movie that he's watched this week yeah Come what? On, you ask me about a movie I've watched. I don't know. I don't know what to do. Equal and balance, you say. Was that a, was that a flawless segue there, Phil? To, um, to the movie being could have been to the movie being equilibrium. Uh, 
Beautifully done. I Phil. tried. <laughs> Beautifully done. Beautifully done. No, um, yeah, I, I mean, I watched Equilibrium again this week. Come back onto Netflix, and and I think Equilibrium gets Netflix. a bad rap. So let's just start there. <laughs> a lot of people had had a lot of bad things to say about Equilibrium, saying it was like budget matrix, etc. And I really like this film. I don't think it's the best film I've ever seen. I don't think it's a film I'm going to tell all my mates. Oh my god, it's like again life changing or anything. It, but it's a, I think it's a really solid film and it's got a great performance from Christian Bale and I really like the guy who's the bad guy. He's kind of just like a bit, you know, like... Doesn't Sean Bean die in it? Sure, of course Sean Bean dies. It's Sean Bean's in it, mate, so Sean Bean dies <laughs> yeah. in it, right? It's written into his contract. I actually like, think he agrees that with his agent. He's like, yeah. I'm not doing any movies unless I get to die off in them. If I can't it die in it, what's the point of me being him in it? to do, what, like 10 episodes of... Um, Game of Thrones before they killed yeah. him off. Yeah, but been, what's going on? This is they probably, they, 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 Phil, they probably just told him it was a movie and he was just shooting one long movie. So <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they told him, you just die at the end. That's the, that's the yeah. big twist. They shot oh, okay. the death scene right at the start to keep yeah. him happy. So he goes, oh, I'm going to die. And it's, oh, it's just outtakes and bits like that. Don't worry, yeah. Sean. Just, just pick ups here and <laughs> there. Little did he know he was in for the entire season. Yeah, but no, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I watched Equilibrium. I really liked it. I thought it was a really good show. I, I, I think the premise is really clever. Um, it's not the best execution, that premise, maybe, but this whole idea that after the Third World War, because the whole world has been decimated, uh, they realise that human emotion is the cause of all of the problems in the world, and so they outlaw emotions. Um, and uh, they, you take, people take drugs to suppress emotions, and uh, yeah, well, the society starts to thrive again, and then things happen. Uh, you know, Don't forget the gun carter. And then they, I was going to say... And then I was going to get to that, yeah. I mean, and I, they have, I, I, I like they have that. that. But yeah, they have. They have jumps a jumps uh, through the door and slides in because there are yeah. these people called sense offenders who are who are feeling, which is against the. Sorry, is that sense offenders? Sense offenders. Right, I just make sure I heard you correctly. Yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for clarifying and, that, Alan. Yeah, <laughs> they um they they have form. Uh, uh, the name has gone for me now, but they have uh, these people who are clerics. They're clerics. Yes. Um, and they uh, they basically go and hunt down the sense offenders. Uh, and they can, you know, arrest them or kill them, etc., whatever needs to be. And they have a thing as as has already said called the gun carter, which is basically uh, apparently standing in the middle of the room. According to the law, <laughs> it is the ability to having studied statistics statistics of firefights. They know the places to stand where bullets might go that you won't. That won't, won't you could stand where bullets yeah. won't be based on how people shoot guns in firefights. It's like it's a bit it, silly. It's the I stupidest principle bit, ever. Yeah, yeah. It's the stupidest principle ever. But it looks oh my god, cool. it's cool. Yeah, oh it looks my god, cool. it's cool. Yeah. There's that moment at the end of the movie yeah. where he walks down that corridor and does all that gung fu crap, like where he's like shooting yeah. all like this. And there's a point I'll never forget because he walks down a corridor and flings the two magazines as he goes in, and they're waiting until they pop up, and then he starts shooting everyone as he's jumping around, and he kind of rolls forward, goes tunk, just picks the guns up, and then he goes. And it was like, I don't care if this feels stupid. That's one of the coolest things I've seen in years. You know, you've got you've got to say thank you yeah. to the bad guys in that scene because they they very carefully stood in a perfect circle oh, all the mate, way around him. Amazing. I mean, it was it was good. They must have they must have rehearsed it, before he it got It also there. has one other great moment in it in that, in that scene where he runs out of good bullets in his guns throws him on the floor and then just kind of steps over a gun, flips it over his shoulder, and then just owns it. I was like. I don't know how that happened, but it's yeah. amazing. <laughs> I didn't see that in the gun, fart, gun yeah. cart a bit they were learning, but and it has the stupid sword fight at the end, which is which is ridiculous. But I mean, yeah. I I love that film. I think it's it's, it's got silly a lot fun. to like. I mean, like yeah, I say, I'm not going to disagree with you. There's yeah. a lot to like, and they did put some thought into the storyline, and it's it, it, it's good. But there's you know, if you, you do need to put your action. brain a little bit on hold, don't you? Really, yeah, I yeah. mean, the gun cart in itself looks really awesome. Complete nonsense, <laughs> but looks yeah. really cool. Any, but any then. If you think about it, so does 
combat in the Matrix, really, doesn't it? I mean, it's like all yeah, but the stuff, Matrix, you know, the Matrix has a bigger world, which reality. kind of, which kind of but can yeah. explain to you why the bullets don't hit essentially. But, but but this is real world, right? There isn't a Matrix simulation to, no. to explain the bullet hits, right? So it's, I was trying to be nice, yeah. but yeah, but but, you, you're but, right, but but the thing is about it is, I think. I think we're all very guilty of this as well. Like nerds in general, we overthink things. And I yeah. think when I first sat down and watched Equilibrium, I was expecting the Matrix. I didn't get that. And I was a little disappointed. But by the same token, I absolutely loved what I did get because it was a different movie. And I did enjoy the kind of, you know, the, the gunfights. And I loved the, the whole look of the movie. And, uh, you know, I thought it was great for what it was. I think, you know, going and expecting the Matrix is a mistake because it isn't the Matrix. It's a, it's a much, it's a, I don't want to say more philosophical, but it's a, it's a slower film than the Matrix. And certainly, yeah. like, it's, it's more slight... about that kind of principle of what happens if people don't have emotions, you know, you know is our feelings important? There's, a, there's a, different, a different take on what's important about our humanity than The Matrix. So, you know, yeah. they're both and great not, movies, but they're not, not the same thing. It's not just about the people as well. It was about all of the possessions, like the books and the Yeah, they were burning the, the music at one point, and, they? Yeah, exactly. You know, they, they sort of rounded up all of those things that conjured emotions in people. I thought that was an interesting kind yeah, of poetry. concept they worked to. There well. are def- yeah. definitely, uh, you know, sort of like pointing signs to fascism in it, you know, and obviously... Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Else, you know, so... But, uh, yeah, again, good idea. But as, as, as I've often said, good sci-fi can be allegorical and like tell you yeah. stories to make you realise why these things are bad or these things are great. Star Trek does it a lot, and Battlestar does it yeah. a lot. Which you know we won't talk about in case Craig's listening. Because I know that like, he's not here, obviously, but you know you never know. He might pop up at, at some point. But the um... <laughs> let me just check behind my chair. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's not here. Well, so you know, I, was... I think I think that was one of the things where there's a, there's a mid mid season in in one of the episodes, one of the Galactic series. I won't say what it is because again. Craig could, could get, and there was a point where I realised that the story they were telling wasn't about the characters in front of me. It was realistically about things that were going on in the world that were important. And I'm just like, holy crap! This 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 show's got me thinking about just humanity and and the things we do that we justify for for reasons we believe are good, whereas they might necessarily still be horrific things. And we balance it out, and then you look at it in a different way, and it's like, hold on, oh, it, you know, it makes you question these things that you go there isn't a problem with this and that, that, I think that's where like I say sci-fi in general can be very very good with that Star Trek does it all the time and has tackled a lot of societal issues as opposed to I think Battlestar does more political and uh, you know yeah, combat related issues they do so like to militaristic points yeah you know. I mean actually that's really interesting I'm going to segue slightly over to mm-hmm. my talk for this week since you've dropped in the Battlestar because I finished the final season of Battlestar Galactica and it was damn good I mean yeah. it really from you know, the first season, really strong in the miniseries, then there's some great one kind of episodes. It slows down a little bit in the middle, but you get to season three and they start piling on about like the, I can't say it because Craig's not that far through, the other <laughs> Cylons, let's just say that, that's very vague. And they start really ramping that pace up and steering the story towards that. And Oh yeah, so, I really enjoyed it. And then the, the big reveal at the end of season three. I'm trying to remember what that tune four. was, that tune that came. Oh, no, let's not, let's not do it. it I can't tell it, you, yeah. but I did put it in the yeah. chat. Yeah, um, some, the, um, some, uh, some Jimi Hendrix. The, the, um, the, the, there, was, there was a couple of moments from season four that have always stuck with me. There's the in the very first episode. There's a moment right at the beginning with Saul and uh, and the admiral, yeah. which I was yeah. like, <gasps> like yeah, <laughs> when I saw it. No and there's mean. and I and I and I remember obviously there's um uh like a lot of reveals happen in season four. A lot of truths come out mid midway through season four. There's a moment where you're just like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like oh. it's a proper like oh yeah, my god. Yeah, a certain a certain somebody appears next, and you're just the, like oh, <laughs> and then and then the, the episode after the big middle episode, the big mid season break, the episode after that where 
a thing happens with one of the characters, and I just remember being like, and then, yeah. uh, then, and what I was going to say though, my favourite thing about Battlestar is at the end of the season, at the end of all of it, it kind of knows that what people want from the end of Battlestar is it want they want that sci-fi action finale spectacular. And boy, did they deliver for me on that yeah. that last moment of Battlestar. It is like, and it ties everything up quite well. I mean, there are some loose ends which don't keep everyone happy, but that last like that yeah, last I mean, episode or two is I, just. Yeah. I think some of the communities is quite divided, aren't mm. they? On the on the actual the, the, the sort of end credits with with Balthazar and. But you know, I mean, I'm not going into more detail, but you know, um, but well, the point there's is, lots is of, that uh, there's lots of there's a few yeah, points which which I, I personally am a massive fan of that ending, yeah. and I really yeah, think I it's it. very clever and fantastic and well thought out but the, the community is a little divided on whether that's that's a good yeah. ending or a bad I, um, ending I, uh, well, the I, fact I also... it could be it's left ambiguous as well as yeah. to what the future could be like yeah but I love the kind of... I love the I love the moment as well in the beginning of the, the last episodes where they they, they give their well, in fact it might be in the beginning of the second episode yeah beginning of the second last episode the midway through that, that feature length one or whatever it is where they, they announce their plan what they're going to do and it's the first shot of that plan in action where the Galactica jumps in, and that's all I'll say. And that kind of whole thing just unva- un- uh, happens. That old like mad sequence. Oh yeah, there, and yeah. it just opens it's just up carnage like for like. It's just, like, it's just good... the whole thing about everything with the space combat in Battlestar. It's just like the, when you first start watching it, and then you, when you, you start to realise that every time it goes outside, there's no sound. Yeah, well they change that like, later on. They yeah, they do. Yeah. But it's kind of like it's and, and that there's so many things that make that so silent death. visceral. Mm. It's so visceral the it's, space um, combat. Um, and I don't think any other series, maybe the Expanse, has managed to to get that same sense of feeling of space and okay. combat in space. It's, it's just, I, I could I could go on about how much I love that show. We know this, but like mm. that that I mean the last season I've just gone back through it fairly recently, and I'm I'm sort of rewatching bits of it again, and. It just it it staggers me like I'd got because the fourth one is the fourth season is the season I've watched the least Phil. Then about you because obviously I yeah it's first, because it was the last one to yeah end, and I, I, I came to, I came to Battlestar really early and I'd seen season when season one came out like I said it wasn't the season two when I finished season one so I was like rewatching it. I was like a, I was like a, you know like the addict just pummeling back through the art previous just to get just to get a fix of Battlestar you know and then you know it's uh, as it went on it just, it's just I kept watching rewatching it I oh, watch season two again because that's great and then season three. Yeah. Hey, hey, there it that was. That was my speaker turning off. Yeah. There he yeah. Just remember, awesome. when you hear that sound again and you're laying in bed tonight, Alan, that could be your death. <laughs> yeah. 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 Any tomorrow penis. morning, morning I'll be like, oh. it's not where I left yeah. it. It's not where I left yeah. it. Wa- I don't know where I'll it is. Up in the, I'll wake up in the morning and it'll be sat on the bedside table and wake me up with a Oh, my God! Or, better yet, hanging off the ceiling above your head looking at I freaking hope so. I really, really hope so. I'll take that death because it'll be cool. Ellie, if you're listening, I've got the best prank ever for you. Don't tell me. We can make this happen. Oh, Oh, wait, no, you already had a heart attack. No, we're not doing that. I've got a terrible idea. Let's not do it. Sorry about that, Chris. I did warn you, though. Oh no, mate, mate! I, 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 that was great. It couldn't couldn't have a better time during the Battlestar Galactica bit, like the, the fracking toaster, you know. Some side on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, mate, but yeah. Anyway, I hijacked Phil's bit which is dangerous. And bat- whenever Battlestar's mentioned, I go into like Battlestar fanboying, you know. Well, to be honest with you, I, I only talked about Battlestar because we kind of segued on from yours. There is one other thing I'm going to talk about quickly, which is my last kind of thing I've done this week. So last week I was very 
aggrieved at the article we discussed about the <laughs> stupid parental society bunch of idiots that were saying that Disney should You're making a stand, aren't you, Phil? I am. I'm making a stand. So this week, the 16th, they put all of the Marvel contents, the Jessica Jones, the Punisher, Luke Cage, onto Disney+. Plus. And do you know what the first thing I did? Well, I was like, I've finished Battlestar. I'm going to watch the Punisher. It's the most vicious and savage and brutal of all of them. And I'm going to make sure its viewer ratings goes up. So... My thing, everybody who's listening, okay, go on to Disney Plus and watch The Punisher. Even if you don't like it, just and click tell your the friends. button and play through and tell your friends, yeah? Because then Disney are going to see their viewing numbers absolutely skyrocket for that. And they're going to think, brilliant, <laughs> we need to make more of this content. That's good yeah. because I think The Punisher is amazing. And I think yeah, you guys it. are probably online with me in this one. Oh, yeah. Totally, totally, no question. Let's be fair. So if you think it's not very good, then you're just a bit of donkey so <laughs> not a problem but for the rest of us is that is that your professional on. review phil this is really awesome and if you don't agree with me you're a bit of a donkey yeah i've got to say i've got okay enough. i'm gonna go Fair with enough. you phil and say that's a perfect review i'm fine with that <laughs> yeah. and these few numbers go up we're gonna get more punisher well maybe not more punisher but we'll get more stuff like the punisher because disney will be like, oh, it's clearly working it's making us the money because as we've discussed disney were a big fan of money it's really their sole purpose in life yeah i mean i i, I would I've, I've definitely watched punisher again but it, I, I did re- didn't realize but this if this new wave of um content didn't just include like the, the marvel stuff there's a whole lot of other stuff on so all the alien films are now on there it was just aliens yes. and prometheus now all I of them forgot about that there. but yeah they've got um, um well they had aliens on there yeah already um but then they put alien one alien three and uh alien um, resurrection is and alien two... special edition I think it, it was just Aliens. I don't know if they've upgraded mm. the special edition. I'll tell you what, I'll check while we sure. do this. I think it's just the standard Aliens, yeah. not the special edition one. They, they they which is still, is still probably one of the best films ever yeah. made. But, you know, if you can, just, watch the special edition. Yeah, What's absolutely. interesting, though, is... But, guys, before we do it, just on that, Alien, do not watch the director's cut. It ruins the movie. Watch Alien. It was yeah. perfect the first time. He didn't need to go back in. They did no, it for a 10th anniversary thing. It does Could, not work as well. Directly on that point, the version on there is Alien, but it's a remastered in 4K version as well. Which I, yeah, I've got that on Blu-ray and it looks amazing, yeah. to be fair. So it's I was just really about to say, I don't need to watch it because I've got it all on DVD. Oh, well, he's got that. Well, I didn't if you want to watch had it, it on the premium format. Like a pauper, yeah. then that's fine, yeah. yes. <laughs> Maybe premium you can go and smear dirt all over the screen of your TV as well to make You're it feel more such a tech snob, Phil. You're in your eyes. Yeah. Salt in your eyes should Salt do it. Salt in your eyes. Yeah, you can watch I... it through tears. <laughs> it's perfectly good to watch. Thank you. If if you say so, Alan. Uh-huh. You know what? Why have I made you happy, Alan? But for the rest of us, there is the opportunity for the remastered four. What makes me happy is the pain and suffering of orphans. But that aside. <laughs> that's going to be a quote at some point, I'm sure. <laughs> Alan Fat. Alan Howlett, what makes me huff happy is the pain oh, and suffering no. of children. Oh, no. no, no, specifically orphans. Oh, sorry, children orphans. Oh. Orphans, wow. Very clear. I'm, you know what? It's been great. You know, watch Punisher. I'd like to take away... Well, you know what, actually? I'll tell you what it's we probably have probably a good time to segue, to be fair. I'm just saying, it? you know what, actually... I think that's my cue, isn't it? That yeah, is really Project Zomboid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, missed that. Um, no, but seriously, um, so uh, Bruce Willis is alive and well. Um, he's he's living. Still, in the, 
Yep, yep, still alive nice. and well. He's he's now he's now outlived Keanu. Um, although you know Keanu's not really dead. I mean, he's just wandering around going, uh, <laughs> you know, and trying to eat your brain. So you know, but he's he's not you know technically dead. But Bruce Willis is is alive and well. We're now on four four months, and I've actually for the first time since started playing um, Project Zomboid, I've actually reached almost reached winter time. Which is quite interesting because again, it shows another dynamic of the game that's so cool. It's like because it's based in it's based in Java. It's a Java game, right? So the way that they do it is that everything in the world is built up of squares. So whatever happens within the square is it's like it's either going to do this or it's going to do that. So it's really cool so that when something like when it snows, everything does. You don't come outside and everything's just covered in snow. It's like snow starts to build up in areas. For a game that doesn't really have like AAA graphics, some of this stuff is so well designed and so clever. You know, you go out, you go out, and the snow starts to fall, and the snow starts to build up, and then it gets the bigs get bigger, and then before you know, everything's covered in snow, and then it starts to rain, and it goes and reverses the process, and it's just like, and it's just so well done. Um, and yeah, I've just start, I'm starting to deal with the the difficulties that that have to do well, Bruce's um, with the, the difficulties of winter. You know, there's less like fish that. in the you know. So yeah. you start the game and it's really difficult, and then obviously you you get there and you build up your base and you get your buddies along and you're like, oh yeah, things are looking okay, and then it thinks, hmm, I'm gonna kick you in the nuts by raining yeah, and snowing to make it more difficult because yeah. there's no food about when it's not. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And then game you know, once, keeps and then, on giving. <laughs> and then you've used up all the stuff in your local area, so you have to start going further afield. So you have to start thinking about mechanics and having a car that works, and and that's another sort of extra thing. And then you start going even further afield, and within the map, there's a place they added, I believe, either early this year or late last year, Louisville, which is basically a massive city on the map. And all of a sudden you go to the city and of course like any city and any zombie thing the multitude of zombies is significantly higher so then you have that challenge but you can't just drive a car in because they're all blocked up by army camps and blockaded in of course so you you have to go in on foot so it's like a huge challenge to go so this this still you know how long i've been playing this now i've been playing it with only two months i'm hundreds of hours in over 500 hours and i still haven't even touched the surface of what i can do within the game I'm still finding new things and new stuff and still exploring and still finding it hugely enjoyable as a challenge. Um, I'll be honest, I am kind of feeling some days that I'm starting to get to the point where, you know, I'm like once I've once I've sort of achieved so much, I, I start looking in different directions and um, just just sort of going off the topic if that's okay phil this week i've also by all um, means please do downloaded a new game which was actually my son alex's idea because he's a massive fan which was a game that i've played a huge amount of hours on before on the xbox which is elite dangerous um not really a new game then is it if you've played hundreds of hours well, it's a new game I downloaded, is what I said. It didn't, I didn't say it was specifically new. I mean, that's semantics, <laughs> I feel. That's very semantics, I feel. You know. But it's well, not yeah, game, you know what? Yeah. I get roasted yeah. every week, so I just saw an opportunity. I fair enough, it. fair so enough. I, I'll let I you took have it. I took the opportunity. No, I'm being defensive. You were probably right, Phil. I'll give it to you as the host. It's fine. <laughs> to um, honest, but I actually, it's not a new game. But it is a game that has, again... There's so much depth to it, and I haven't explored the horizons 
stuff or any of that where you can actually yeah. go down planet side you know i i mean i again it, it is a bit of a grind there's no there's no denying that any game like that is going to be a bit of a grind you know you want something you know you play i always play um solo when i first started playing it because i didn't want people just immediately just basically shoot me out of the sky and stealing all my crap because that's what <laughs> they do um but you know after a while you just think you know let's just go for it and start playing with alex online and and then you know then we went off to i think it was ark that dragged us back in and and again he he really missed it so it's like can we go and play it again i've only played a couple of days but already i feel that that pull to, to I, I, I just you know i just want to get some more hours in on it make yeah. some some credits i want to get myself a good mining ship and then maybe work up to get myself an asp so i can go and do some exploring because i still haven't seen the center of the galaxy um and i want to see the center of the galaxy so and it's something that you have to see if you play a late dangerous it's a challenge to get there um, and a lot of work, but once it's something that is just it, one thing you cannot say about Elite Dangerous is that it's ugly. It is a beautiful, stunning game with so many moments. When I I I, I, t I just took so many screenshots the first time I played it, just constantly you know, going into camera mode, getting my ship, and then just getting on this moon or this this sun behind this planetary system and this binary system and stuff like that. It's it's just gorgeous to behold. Um, and one of the things that... I'd like to get a picture of is the center of the galaxy. The thing that really interests me about Elite Dangerous was it's got VR compatibility. So I did buy um, an Oculus yeah. Rift. Like me and Craig yeah. have talked kind of multiple times over yeah. the over the podcast about you know we're very much into the racing games. You know we love our project cars too because of the realism in that. But I did download Elite Dangerous because it came in one of the Eon's old humble bundles and mm. it's wicked in VR. I mean yeah. it's incredibly hard. I have no idea what I was doing. Like I think I maybe took off and crashed horribly. But God, it looked good in VR while I was crashing. And that is definitely something that I want to consider. It's I just might like, just yeah, spend a huge amount of money. Yeah, the controls you get used to. I, I, you know, it's it, there is a lot of controls, and I'm not sure how that would work with VR because you kind of you have like buttons on your keyboard, and it's well, like the, press um, J, press U, and I'm not sure how you can see that with so VR. You've got. Um, the VR controllers, they're like a grip. So you've got like yeah. a trigger on the side and then you've got like an inside thumb trigger here and then you've got buttons on the top, like your A, X, Y, and B buttons. So there's you know, about like 50 got, buttons in this game. I'm not sure how yeah, that... But I'm you can physically... You've got, you've got shortcuts on there on the VR, on the handsets, but then you can... I think if you hold the trigger down, you can press the buttons on the panels. Oh, if okay. I remember correctly. Oh, oh, cool. So like as you do, you could... they've. Yeah, have you played? That's nice. Like, I say you don't have VR, but like No Man's Sky does the same kind of thing. Like in yeah, yeah. No Man's Sky in VR, you can press the buttons on the displays, and then it allows you to use the handstick as though it's like the flight for the yaw. Yeah, yeah. So you can yes. do it like that. So you, you've got one for steering. And one Definitely for on on my horizon. I mean, you can spend a ridiculous amount of money to play this game. What was that joystick you just mentioned, Chris? It was a uh... uh, Hotas, mate. It's just, it's yeah, Hotas. That's the Hotas yeah. flight stick. Yeah, and so many people I've seen them with this setups where they've got like tri tri triple screens, and they've got a Hotas, and they've got the VR goggles, and they've got like pedals and everything, and they just they just literally sat there like they're actually sat in the cockpit of a of, of a you know of a spaceship literally, and it's just it, it very very immersive, I'm sure, but. But the first thing I would like to look at, and won't be for a while, as I just said, because I've spent a lot of money on a, on a speaker behind me, um, is is you know is to get some Oculus or something to experience in that because I cannot imagine what that's like just to be looking around, just like you know, in the cockpit of your spaceship, just astonishingly good. So um, I, whenever anyone brings up Elite, it always reminds me of a story I read, and it, I just I just double checked it. It was on um, mm. I think it was on Polygon at the time, or uh, the, uh, the Verge, I think it was. 
of um, there's a clan within Elite called the Fuel Rats. Oh, I love the Fuel Rats. So yeah. if you don't yeah. know, for people who don't know, Elite Dangerous is obviously a big online exploration game. Uh, the Fuel Rats are a, a group of people within the game who their sole purpose is to rescue stranded explorers. You yeah. basically can go onto a forum, you can say, I need help. They will come to you. They will obviously set a price in game for their service. They will come and save you, etc. And uh, there was a story of a girl who, I think it was a girl anyway, or someone, anyone, I think I'm pretty sure it was a girl, who'd, who'd gone somewhere, something had happened and yeah, real life had got in the way and then she, she, she got sidetracked to another quest and did some calculations about how she'd get somewhere with the fuel she had and she blew her calculations and she got stranded and it was uh, stranded in, and the, the scary thing about it is in real world time, not in game time, in real world time, she was two days flight from the nearest, uh, like anything to get to her. So these guys geared up and flew two days to her to refuel her and bring her back. So to get her back, and it was like, so there was a there was a there was a Twitch stream of it. It's, it's the, the, the Twitch stream is on this guy's channel, and it's just literally labelled forty eight hours of black, and it's just them yeah. flying for forty eight hours to rescue this person. So I'm you like, do get something in game called a fuel scoop, which you can yeah. actually fuel for. You can fuel up from stars, yeah. um, which which that was how they rescued. But, they got to go to that. Yeah. Basically. So basically, but obviously you get different sizes of ships with different you know fuel holds that can hold more amount of fuel and stuff like that. And there's lots of stories from the fuel rats about stuff like that. You know where people have literally. Because, you know, it's based on a system basis. You go from one system to another. Yeah. And depending on your loadout, how heavy your ship is, how much fuel you have on board, your FSD drive, all of these these things can determine how far you can jump, don't they? Um, and, yeah, the fuel rats. I mean, it's great, you know. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of you've achieved everything in this game. What can you possibly do to keep playing a game that you clearly love? Well, I can start, you know, being a breakdown service for, <laughs> you know, for, for other players that have miscalculated how much fuel they have. How can yeah. I do my game? How can I make yeah. this more realistic? I'm going to get a job in my in-game game. Well, it's, Why it's not? Those, you know, like, those, those kind of communities game. amaze me because, like, it was, um, was it Eve as well where they had the biggest online heist ever where... Yeah. Like there was corporate oh, espionage within it. Stories and Eve, the guy and spent two like, years infiltrating, yeah, yeah. pretending to be friends with people, yeah. till he got to be second in command, so he could literally steal the kit, the codes, and yeah. steal all of their money and sell all their ships just to say f you. Took yeah. him two years. I mean, it's just mental. It's mental. And somebody really built, um, there was a clan that built a Death Star in there as well, yes. wasn't it? Yeah. And I think they said the resources yeah. required because you can buy real the resources with real world money in yeah. Eve. Yeah. I think it was the equivalent of something like $80,000 in resources to yeah. build what's basically a Death Star. Um, and and then was... they had to move it to where they had to put it. <laughs> and I think like hundreds of clans like ganged up to try and. And there's a story about Eve where 10,000 players all concurrently did a journey to the centre of the galaxy to, to mark the anniversary of a guy who'd done it. And I think there's some reason about this guy, but I don't know the entire story. But they were saying it's like the biggest grouping of players in an online game to come together to do something together in EVE Online, not EVE Online, it was in Elite Dangerous, I apologise. Um, but yeah, so it, I mean the community in these games is just phenomenal. Sometimes it can feel like it's it's like the most impossible thing to learn, but like most things, you play it for long enough, it becomes second nature and flying these ships is, you know, difficult at first, but it gets much better. And again, with the communities and the politics and everything else, you can be as involved as you want to be or a, a sit back and do, you can just go and get a mining ship and sit your days whilst watching YouTube mining asteroids and making shed loads of money and buying a much bigger ship that can hold more ore. It's whatever you want it to be, you know. Um, and I've played Eve Online thought. as well, but Elite is... Thought. 
What? And you just said about mining and stuff. You know what we need to do again, guys? We did it once before. We need to get back online and we need to play some more Deep Rock that, Galactic. Deep yeah, Rock because Galactic, we, yeah. had, we had a blast that night. We played Deep, Deep Rock. We did. That, was, that was good fun. Yeah. We should do that again. We need to yeah, do more Let's play. Plays. Let's be honest. We need to. Well, yeah, we, we need to do a Let's well. Play, mate. We haven't yeah, to do any. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So we definitely need to do that. So we'll, well, we'll that, organise it. Interesting. In fact, if anyone's watching, yeah, Let's Play comments. Give us something. If you are watching, you want to If you want to see that, then make sure you message us. what you'd like to see us play. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Ark. Cool. He wants to play Ark. Yeah. We can ignore you and play what we want, so, you know, that's how we're going to do it. <laughs> I like that vibe. Well, speaking of uh, moving around to other multiplayer games, uh, I think you've spent a bit of time in some multiplayer games this week, Chris, haven't you? Well, I played a, a little bit of something that I play a lot of with uh, someone I don't play it at all with, really, which is on a, on a platform which I don't normally play on, so cryptic. Um, now, basically, um, uh, I've been playing The Division 2 with Craig on PC. Um, because I think he got the itch to buy something one night and it was on super cheap on Steam. Not sorry, CD keys. So like £5.60 or something. Yeah, £5.99, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and I, I'd, I'd been playing the trial and as soon as he said it's £5.99, I was like, you know what, go on. That's, that's, a, that's the price of a packet of fags, I, isn't it? I'll I mean, have it on. for £5.99. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on. a pint, isn't it, you know? Yeah. Um, and I was just like, done. <laughs> Current pricing. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll have it. And we, we jumped on, we did a couple of missions and... We spent a lot of time going, God, this game's pretty. And we both we are running it on, you know. <laughs> Were you uh, doing the star jumps? We didn't star jump, no, we didn't do star We did some oh, emotes, no. but no star jumps. But we were we were just we were just exploring like the beginning of the game. And I I, I you know, whatever you feel about like the end game in the divisions, and I and I do get that's a bit of a not everyone gets on with the end game. The um the the campaign and leveling up in the division one and two is a great, great story experience and there's some really good like mission design in it and 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 yeah, it all feels like exciting, and the, the gear is interesting when you're leveling up. Yeah, like I say, it maybe doesn't have the best end game in some in some respects, but you know, it's a really a really start, solid little uh, you know online show. And we were having a lot of fun actually. We were just running about doing a few missions, you know, re-exploring the I world, did. and yeah, it was good. I did pick it up for five ninety nine as well. Oh, jump on, then, Phil. So uh, yeah, I just thought you know what, because oh, I bought the original Division on PC just because it you know, they, yeah. then they never did whatever the update. Lo- that was, looks amazing like, on PC. It didn't do a one X. They didn't do a One yeah. X update right. when the Xbox One X came out for it because it was a bit too old. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I really enjoy playing on PC and it does look pretty. And mm. you know, it's just something about New York in the snow. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's true. I mean, yeah, like, I love the Division Two, but there's that. I got, I've gone back to play a bit of um, Division One again because that that hit six years old uh, a couple of weeks back, and I went on and played a bit more. And um, and you know, and on the PC as well, having it cranked up like all the settings to max. And I'm standing in Brooklyn underneath the bridge. And I'm just like. This game is Man, stunning I need to, good looking. For I need to put that on because I've been to New York and I don't mm. remember. I, do, I don't think I played it, but after well, I went, mate, so. I, I was, I was, <laughs> I, go, I had a trip I planned. <laughs> I had a trip planned yeah. to go to go to New York uh, in it's, it's March awesome. of 2020. Yeah, that went course, well, uh, didn't it? Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and and New York became became like it was a point where I remember sitting at home in like probably April and there was there were scenes from New York. And I'm just like. This is getting a little too real as a division player. I was like, this is a little bit. <laughs> yeah. uh, they were like, they were like digging up an island to make that. And I was just like, nope, no, no. This is. Whoa. Chris, didn't, didn't you buy? Did you buy one of the division? I, I, so I was very lucky that my friends one year bought me a sleeper edition, sleeper agent edition for my um, for my birthday, and I have a uh, a division watch. I've got the, the agent watch, which is worth stupid money on eBay now, but. Um, it's, did it's you, a, did yeah. you get the urge, Chris? You know, when you start seeing it, did you did you clip it <laughs> mate, on, mate? Mate, <laughs> I, I I think I may have sent to my division friends a, a, a photo going, "Oh God, you know, I know that. Oh shit, guys, you know, with activated the, uh, with, the, with the watch glowing up." Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, it might have happened. I know, but you know, uh, 
Yeah, it's it's one of those things that you know it's um it was it was a, it, it was a obviously not a great time for anybody, but as a division fan, it was just a very surreal experience. And then as a division fan, the last few years have been very strange. We had the pandemic, obviously, which is very reminiscent of the the first, first one, uh, the first game, yeah. and then the second game. One of the later missions. Spoiler alert: you have to reclaim the Capitol building from a load of uh, like they call them the true the true patriots or true son, true sons. Sorry, and they are oh, yeah. they are a, a paramilitary like bunch of people who think they're uh, you know they're, 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 they're America's lost its way and is uh, in, in need. And I was just like, oh, this is um yeah, you know, um, on the nose, this one just a little bit on the nose now. Like no one would have seen this happening when they made this game, but oh, oh, that's a little yeah. bit, oof, a little bit, a little bit too. You know? Suddenly, that uh, this this mm. is a work of fiction warning you get at the start of the game stays on for an extra ten seconds longer than it used to. I mean, I mean <laughs> it, it was always in red. It really is. Yeah. It really Patch, is. It was always Lovely. a very weird possibility with the division games because of the fact they were all set in real locations using yeah, effectively real guns and things. And you just like yeah, and then like to see the the pandemic kick off was a bit like cool. Oh, this is a bit surreal. And then yeah, I say January sixth happened in America, and it was just like, huh. Yeah, I was really. I, mean, I was playing a lot of Division Two when that happened. I remember te- texting one of the groups. I was going, "Well, guess I won't be uh, playing that mission for a while." They're like, "Why not?" I was like, "Have you not seen the news?" And then all of a sudden, I was like, "Oh my god!" And it's like, "Yep, <laughs> it's it's a bit weird," <laughs> you know. So yeah, yeah, it's very strange. Cool. But yeah, we, me and Craig have been playing that. Been really enjoying being, being back in the division. I, I mean, I love the games. I'm not gonna lie, but it was just nice. I mean, I cannot get over how I can't emphasize how pretty the game looks on PC. Like, I mean, it always looked good on Xbox, but like, I mean, it doesn't look bad on any platform, but. Yeah, the PC with those extra little tweaks and settings you've got it's, are it's it's a stunningly the, pretty game. It's the, the best version of the game, isn't it? Mm. What make, what Division 2 makes me most excited for is what they're going to do with that Star Wars game. Because mm. if I mean, that's what they can do in a real world, and, you know, you know, love it or hate it, and the way Battlefront 2 is an amazing-looking game, and I love, you know, the Star Wars story in mm. there. I can't wait to see what Massive do. With the I, I mean, I, I, I want to. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, you know, even I hate to say, but even the Avatar game, and I really don't like those films. But I got a funny feeling they could do something pretty cool with the Avatar game, and like if it's going to look pretty and have all the next gen stuff. But like I say, we're talking about like these are next gen titles as well. So imagine mm. when we get Snowdrop ported to a next gen thing, and it's got all the uh, content advantage of RDNA two and all these extra bits and pieces. They look fantastic now. They're going to look ridiculous, yeah. you know, soon. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's going to be it's going to be great. Going to be really good. So yeah. Yeah, Division 2, cool. back on that, shockingly. I know, me back in the Division. I know. It's like, Al- it's, it's like Alan playing uh, Project Zomboid or Ark. Ark. I mean, yeah. whatever next. Yeah. Yeah. Who'd have thunk it, eh? Who'd have thunk it? <laughs> well, I've played almost no games this week. I'm still trying to get through Horizon Forbidden West. Like, I keep going, dipping back in and out. and There's little foibles, like I can play for about four or five hours. And I'm like, oh, I need to stop now. So I'm going to get there. I think I'm almost done now. I can feel like the end is in sight. But I, I'm going to talk about this every week, so I'm not going to bore you, you to you death. Gonna, are you, are you thinking? Are you, what are you thinking about Tiny Tina? Oh, I, I do. I do want to play it, and I. She's the best character in Borderlands by far. D and D. I mean, I, I, did, and, I didn't mention it as we started, but you know, as I say, that's one of the things I have done since I was last on, which was Craig mentioned it briefly last week, which was that I I I, D, I dungeon DM'd my first D and D game ever um, a couple of weeks ago, um, and that was a, a, a scary but exciting experience. Um, and uh, I think that I hope uh, most of the feedback's been pretty positive, but I hope that everybody had a good time. I'm not going to lie, there were a few moments where I had to wing it, but that's the point of being the DM um, and not letting anybody know that you're absolutely freaking winging it. 
um, and that they did exactly. It's like there's there's a there's a part in the in, in the story where one of the goblins in, a, in an incident has to survive so that they can interrogate him and tell him something important. And they killed the goblins so quick, I didn't have time to put one out. So it's like, and I was just like, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? <laughs> it's like, but I, I really, I, I just love the experience, and I think we're, we we've, we've arranged to meet up on the uh, the ninth of next month for the second session. This particular campaign is going to be about four or five sessions. This campaign is a story. Um, and uh, I think we're all coming back into it for the second session. Much more experienced. It was quite slow going at the beginning because, you know, you're constantly checking the rules and trying to make sure everybody's doing it right and stuff like that. And uh, But it was it was a it was a fantastic experience. And, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to the next I'll tell, I'll tell you what, Al, I, I, can give you, I can give you some some uh, some feedback from point of view is i i had a phone call from craig on his way home from his first session oh really and, said, yeah. and i was like oh yeah i imagine that was really good fun i've said from the word go i've maintained i said alan will kill as a dm i can see him in a great dm you know i just i just i had, I had complete confidence in you to deliver a killer killer dm experience and uh he was like yeah it's really good fun i was like i really enjoyed it and he was like telling me all this stuff he's like and we had some models and he's like yeah and something i was like yeah it's a totally legit mode player i was like I'm, I'm and i just said to him i'm so pleased you had a good experience i'm so pleased you had fun with it because i love D and i think it's a great way to you know be like you know storytelling from every point of view because you have to make your own stories you go along essentially and you know your job is to kind of fill in the blanks of the adventures obviously but um yeah like you know, and I know that I know that me, when we played with, uh, I was, I think I was, I don't know if I told you this, but I was telling to Craig, we did a, a campaign, and my my friend Paul DM'd DM'd our campaign, and we had a, an encounter where we were crossing a river, and it was like fog, and we were we were travelling to this island where we knew these elves were, and um, and they were, we knew there were some hostile elves on this side, or potentially hostile elves on this island, and they showed up and start like threatening us, and we were like, whoa, let's try and talk our way out of this, like peaceful people, and like then they start firing, it's like we think they misunderstood us, let's let's continue, and he's like <laughs> they're still firing, we're like, well let's just try again, they still might have the wrong idea about this, and he's like. They're still shooting at you, and it's getting worse. We're like, that. well, hold on, hold on. We think we've got this wrong. We got this right. He's like, okay. And we're like, and then we're like, we're going to have to shoot them. We really don't want to do this. And we all shot them. He's like, that was supposed to be like a five minute encounter where you just owned a lot of them. But you guys <laughs> turned it into war and peace, and it lasted an hour and a half because you were trying diplomacy yeah. on them at every turn. And I was like, ah. Oh, it's good. Okay. I mean, you, yeah, did, but, you that, did say that, to that me, proves, so, yeah, you know. Yeah, you did say to me, you know, beware of like, you know, people trying to go off the off the beaten track. And I, I did at the beginning, I gave a little speech about, you know, just, just try and be nice to me. You know, you can do anything you want. If, you know, the story starts with you coming out of Neverwinter, which is a very, you know, big, famous, well-known city in the Forgotten Realms universe. And it's like, you know, but you're two days out of that. There's absolutely nothing to stop you just saying, do you know what? Let's just turn the car around. Let's go back to Neverwinter and to find something else to do. You can do that because that's the beauty of D&D. You're making a story and you you can yep. do whatever you want to do but the reality is is that i am no way prepped for that crap so please be nice to me <laughs> i'm not matthew mercer from critical role and i can't f create stuff on the fly i'm still learning and they were really good they were i mean i, I also yep. like the way that everybody in the group there was only four of them but they, they everybody tried to add something to their characterization of their of their, their, their player character um you know my son alex he made his dwarf he was a bit obsessed with food and beer which is not a new for dwarfs but it, it was good that he yeah. added that in you know and then craig was like playing this this character called marco dustthorn who's like a a down on his luck noble he doesn't really have any lands or titles anymore but he's come and he seems to think that everybody owes him something so he's trying to get this 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 halfling lady and her son who live in like this almost in in this derelict farmhouse barely managing to scrape by and he wants to have their bed and he's like why won't you give me my bed i'm really important and i really want your bed and i'm like but it's all we have. 
we've got a really nice, <laughs> really. Oh, thank there you very go, much. Alan. Who's yeah. that? There we go. Oh, that must be Craig because that'll be Craig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Pills time, Alan. It's, yeah. it's my, my drug. But drugs, anyway, man. I'll cut it short now because we're going to do the news bit. But I'm just going to say I'm really looking forward to the next session, feeling all like, you know, pumped up and, and ready to, uh, to to take it on. It's, it's great fun. It really, really is. We are. Thank you for that segue, Alan. You did my job for me. I like that. Although you just weren't, we're going to do the news. I mean, I say, say, you say segue. <laughs> <I> think, <laughs> that's been extremely generous about Alan cutting so short going, let's do the news bit now. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, go on. <laughs> so, um, you know, we had, a, we had a few kind of different articles to choose from, but the basic, the one that kind of stuck out to all of us this week was, so the title of the article obviously we shared was Insider Describes Fast and Furious Exits from Xbox's Perfect Dark Studio, which is quite the capturing headline. So the kind of mm. background behind this is most of the initiative's senior design teams, so that's Microsoft's quadruple A studio that they spent lots of money hiring people for, uh, seem to be having a bit of an exodus. So they've got the game director, Dan Newberg, the design director, Drew Murray, the lead level designer, Chris O'Neill, principal world builder, John or Jolon Myers, um, and two of the senior system designers, as well as three former God of War world designers, have all left in a sort of slew over the space of a couple of months. Um, and then they also had, I believe, the technical director, the tech art director, and the lead gameplay engineer, and the lead animator as well, and the lead Q&A test to leave. So it sounds like they built a studio, and then they all kind of ran out the door. Um, and this was all triggered, so it all happened. Do you remember there was an announcement for Crystal Dynamics had been basically taken on board as almost like, it was a, kind of said they were like a support studio for the initiative mm. to help develop the perfect dark game. So it seems like the initiative has sort of hired on board Crystal Dynamics and then all of the initiative left. You know, they've opened the gate and they've all run out pretty much. What was your thoughts? I mean, Al, straight off the bat, you know, you read the article what, yesterday. About two minutes ago. What does that ago, say but, to you? Um, you know, um, so, so the thing is, 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 I don't want to just chuck, chuck it straight out the window from the get-go, but, you know, you know, if you're a journalist and there's nothing to talk about, you have to find something to talk about. It's your job. Okay. So, and I don't remember that long ago. I do remember, sorry, was what I meant to say. Not that long ago, there was all these rumours and everything flying about, you know, like the guys at Techland uh, and Dying Light 2 and how everything was going down the pan and that the company was in serious trouble and everything was going to implode and the game wasn't going to be released. And, and it was. It was released. And nothing happened because... You know, I'm not saying nothing was wrong. I'm just saying sometimes the news makes itself. And I look at this and I kind of think. <laughs> just... I'm, I'm, not even, I'm, not even, I'm not even getting. I'm not even getting into the whole thing. I'm not even. I'm not oh, even no, getting involved. I'm, I'm going to keep mean. on moving. I'm going to keep on know. moving. So, but the bottom line is, is that Crystal Dynamics have been signed on to co-develop Perfect Dark, and clearly some decision at some point has been made that the guys that are there aren't necessarily from initiative, aren't needed as much as they they originally thought. Um, and therefore, from my point of view, I'm just thinking, well, how early is this game in development? We haven't seen anything apart from like a teaser trailer in what, 2019 to 20, was it? 
Yeah, 2020, I think. Yeah, a couple of years ago, a teaser trailer just under a couple of years ago. We haven't seen anything about the game. It's clearly still in very early development. There are always going to be changes and restructuring when it comes to a game that's in early development. It's the nature of the business. Okay, people leaving doesn't necessarily mean there's something wrong. It does mean that you can sit there and make up a story about it and try and make up there is something wrong, but it doesn't necessarily this means there's something wrong. Is there something wrong? I don't know. Neither does the person that wrote this article. They're just looking at some people that have left and gone, oh, looks bad, doesn't it? But it doesn't necessarily mean that at all it just means that those people there are people in crystal dynamics that are already doing those that job and they're superfluous to it they're not needed because crystal dynamic have taken the lead that's my take on it so i mean there's two two kind of points i came up with and i did a little bit of research behind this is so i think if you remember back in november last year there was a lot of noise mm. around devs leaving from halo infinite um, so specifically at the top of my head, I'm, the article was with Mac Booty and basically the creative director, Tim Longo, the executive producer, Mary Olson, and the former head of the FPS team, Chris Lee, all left Halo Infinite. And I think we can all pretty much agree, aside from the fact there isn't co-op in the campaign, Halo Infinite was a massive success. I mean, it was such a success that, uh, what was it, EA decided that the reason that Battlefield failed miserably was, ca was because Halo breached their free multiplayer. So... It's a good excuse, I quote that it? from an article. Yeah, it's a good excuse. <laughs> I'm sure that one washed really well with the... Had nothing to do with the fact that Battlefield wasn't even finished and completely unplayable for most people. And still doesn't no, work. Still nothing doesn't work to do with that at all. It's Must have been Halo. That's Halo's fault. Yeah, and, they haven't managed yeah. to get their game working properly. That's totally, really, totally, totally. And also, I think you find the actual the, the stars were aligned in a certain way going across Stonehenge. That also had a big impact as well. So you can totally well, understand you know, why Battlefield didn't and, work. I mean, you know, so it was. somebody spent their time, you know, you know, touching wood before. There was a butterfly well, that flapped its wings somewhere, which then inadvertently <laughs> sort of caused a tsunami, yeah. which in, yeah. then inadvertently created the cash salmon, and then which <laughs> inadvertently did other things. You know, you can you yeah. can never you can never tell. It's just those those damn cash salmons keep cropping up. That's what it is. So, you know, it's, uh, I mean, it is just, it's it, like, you know, the whole thing is like, uh, you said at the beginning, it feels a bit like kind of like not inventing a story. There's certainly a story here, but kind of embellishing that story to like, you know, for clicks 100% like it's that, which we all fell for, let's face it. Like I was like, oh. I'm not taking the blame for that. Phil posted it. No, I posted it. I posted it. I posted it with a Thanks, Alan. emoji. Like, Appreciate I, I that. It. Where's I the boss emoji for me to put up? Let's, let's blame Phil anyway. Let's blame Phil anyway. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, but he's I, running it. It's his fault. Absolutely. I put it up with a thinking emoji because I was just like, this doesn't read like there's like, it's not like the, the studio walked out or, you know, no. like everyone quit on the same day. It's that people have left. And quite probably what's happened is these are a load of people that have left. They're like these big profile studios. They've, they've built God of War. They've built whatever it was. And they've there. And, you know, we've all done it where we've moved jobs, right? And we've got to a new job and we've been like, mm. this isn't the right fit. It, it doesn't feel it, 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 on paper. This should be the best thing I've ever done for me. But in reality, this just feels awkward and weird. And, um, you know, and I've got a funny feeling a lot of these leagues these would have naturally happened anyway. I've got, a, yeah. I don't know that, but I've got a funny feeling they're just people who have naturally come, gone and gone, you know what? I'm, it, it's not vibing, it's not right. And it's a creative thing building a game as in anything. And yeah. if, if you're not getting on with a team or the team isn't gelling or could be all sorts of little things. If just one, yeah, one of the things wrong, that you, know, you have a, a bad personal relationship with somebody, you go, do you know what? The best thing for me to do is go find a different job and move somewhere else, you know? And it's probably some of that thing. There is probably some doubling up of staff, like Alan said. 
I don't think it's like an exodus of everyone, and certainly the, the uh, there's a lot of key people still staying there. But I, I think you know there's there's nothing to be the, the insinuation that in some way the development of this game is under jeopardy and that there is you know serious concern. It's just so early in the development stage. There's nothing to show that it doesn't say or mean anything. It, yeah. You know, it's just if it, it you talked about Halo just a second ago, Phil. Those people mm-hmm. left after it had already been delayed for a year. There were already clearly issues with everything and I know you say it came out perfect but it came out because they cut loads of stuff out of it which some of it they still haven't put back in so let's not forget that yeah Yeah. let's not forget that yeah they promised all that on release which was always almost still a year late and then they still put it out and it still didn't have those things in it Mm -hmm. so ultimately there were still major issues with the game what they did release was great yeah but it wasn't finished and they took that stuff out so they didn't get complaints about it and those people left at that tail end when they were getting towards the end and I'm sure there was crunch and things happening so there's more validation for that argument there but here again we haven't even seen a trailer we've got no idea this game might not be out for another two or three years maybe even longer the development cycle for these sorts of games are like years absolutely years my kind of thoughts along this was yeah i wanted to kind of back back off one of the things chris said where you get you know you know maybe people butt heads maybe they don't get on maybe it's personality thing um one of the things that referenced in both those articles the halo one and the the trip the initiative one is that you know it's very likely to be the workflow of the game so like you know all these people that are leaving are really really talented and really creative people you know arguably they're some of the best in the field and generally when you're the best in the field like you have your way of doing something that works really well for you for you to deliver that you know that quadruple a experience and if you get all of these super skilled people from all of these different studios they're all going to have different ways of working and they've never worked together and inevitably some of these ways of working are not going to synergize you know they're going to be polar opposites for lack of a better phrase um well it, actually, it makes me wonder says whether... here phil sorry as she says it interviews with multiple former senior developers cited a lack of creative autonomy autonomy and slow development process doesn't mean that's bad it just means for those people that decided they didn't want to work there and wanted to go somewhere else that's not what they're used how they're used to working that yeah. environment they're used to having yeah. more autonomy and they're, uh, they're um, used to yeah. being put more under pressure in a different environment and they just didn't yeah. like it so they thought they'll go somewhere so, else like okay, I, 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 just I, I, maybe I, think you know, I can give a real world example. Of that. I, I work in a, a certain field, and it, I, I the, the nature of the business I work in tends to mean that I change job fairly regularly. Although I do the same essential job, but in a different, you know, different like different you know, uniform, uniform essentially. <laughs> and um, and the the difference can be like I've gone into some jobs and just really hated every minute of it because that's essentially the same thing. That the way that that company works is is different to the way I'm used to, it, and it doesn't gel with me. And I'm like, well, this this isn't what I came here for and it isn't what you told me it was so you know they can be like that and there's probably also an element of that's as you said both of you very rightly here these are some of the best people in the field right these are some incredibly talented people and i i can't see how a studio for example sony santa monica that these got my god made god who helped make god of war have been happy to lose talent like this and then maybe they've gone Do you know what he was great we should maybe try and get him back and like they've gone to him and gone look come back here Here's a suite of the deal. We'll, we'll give you, yeah, you've got complete autonomy to go there. You can do what you like. We know your talent. We know what you're good at. Come back to us and we'll do it. I'm sure some of that's happened. Yeah, you know? it's also yeah, cited yeah. in the, it's it's also side in the article as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah they do talk about. I mean, so there are a lot of the a lot of the studios are facing uh, what they call a talent crisis yeah. because there, there is the, the, you know a lot of these studios are expanding and increasing their staffing base. So there's much more opportunity out there, which makes it much easier for these top level creative programmers and developers mm -hmm. to go. Do you know what? I just don't like it here. I'm going to go over there because yeah. they're they're doing that and that's really exciting. If I can go back to and where I was because they want shit. me back, they yeah. know what I'm capable yeah. of. Yeah, 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 and I'm so not, again, I'm not that's you know, out there to prove yourself. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the other thing that's really interesting is, you know, they kind of cited the fact that this lined up with Crystal Dynamics being brought on board to as a kind of yeah. support studio for it. Um, I think it's a really interesting point. The thing is, when you bring on, you know, a, a studio like Crystal Dynamics, so they've got a whole team. It's built, it's ready. That team works really well together. I mean, they've delivered some fantastic Tomb Raider games. You know, if you, you almost you've got this new studio with all these people going in all these different directions, and then you've got this other studio that's coming in, and you know they have their way of working, but they have a studio that's ready to go. Mm. So you know, part of me wonders whether as well, you know, maybe Crystal Dynamics is kind of taking maybe more of a step forward in terms of like you know, look, we've got a process to get this done by X amount of time, because at the end of the day, you know, Microsoft, whilst they have an incredible amount of money to fund into this to make sure this game is a success, they will still have targets and timeframes and things they need to hit. And, you know, maybe they just necessarily couldn't afford to wait for that studio to spin up in the way they wanted. So they've maybe pushed more of the work into Crystal as well. And maybe that's where some of this kind of frustration, some of this butting heads is coming in. That's, it could be people you know, spinning their wheels and getting frustrated. Yeah, and the game spinning its wheels because we can't get this. Because, again, like Alan said, people want this autonomous creative freedom and they're not getting it. So they just kind of, you know, they're sort of stuck in the cycle. Well, this is what I want to do and you're not letting me do it. And this is what I want to do and you won't let me do it. This is what I want to do you're not letting me do it. And it goes on and on and on. And there and is on. a danger of too much creative freedom. Like if you give every team creative freedom to what they want, <laughs> They're all going to go matches. off in different directions. And and then so we again, bring back together. So it's some, not going to work. Some <laughs> games that have game directors have a very clear vision about what they want. I mean, different developers work in different ways. And for some company, it might be all about they want... It's not just game development. It's any company. In some teams, they want everybody's input. In other teams, it's the senior manager that says, no, we're doing it this way, and you're all going to toe the line. Mm -hmm. it, you know, it's just a different ways of working, depending on the project, depending on the team, depending on, you know, the people there. So, you know, for me, it sounds like there's a very big element of that here um what who's the it's uh um, gallagher is that the name um can't remember his first name um and game director daniel who's right there newberger i've got to run up here um you know apparently they have a very tight rein on what the uh what the um the, the direction of the game and creative decisions and everything else. And as we've already said, you know, for a lot of those top level developers and programmers, they're very much used to working in teams where they're given a lot more freedom mm -hmm. and they just don't like it. It's just, you know, it's, yeah, it's quite possible, you know, we just don't know. Yeah. You know it's, um, I mean, another, um, but another a bit subjective. Point, yeah. Another interesting point they picked up from there is they've said that they had what, like, I don't know, 12 or 15 meetings, but they've only got three jobs that applies on LinkedIn. Clearly, can't be that much of an issue there because they're not suddenly having to replace people. They also must have a plan in place. Maybe, maybe they just over recruited when they built the studio. Maybe they recruited, they doubled up on a lot of these roles and they actually did the What's happened to Phil? I don't know, Phil's microphone has, has, has died a death there. And it's Daryl Gallagher, by the way. Uh, yes. Daryl Gallagher is, uh, is the, is the guy that I couldn't remember. There you go, you're back, Phil. You're back. There you go. Yeah, you were just breaking up terribly there, Phil. What's going on? Do you know what? It's 9.15 on a Saturday night, which means my broadband is doing about 10 megabytes a second. Ah, uh, could be it. Could be it. It's yeah, weird. It's the weird thing was your video was fine. It was just your audio. Yeah, so are you sure it's your internet and you're not really an Android? I don't know. I, I don't know if I've ever inadvertently 
or by letting another human come to harm, I might have to check on my, uh, you know, look back in my diary and see if I've adhered to azimuth's laws of robotics. Um, but obviously, if you guys spot something, do let me know. That's, so, a, book I, that's a book if, I just want to put it out there that I really, 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 really don't want to read. What's that? I'm just saying, like, if I'm a robot, Phil's diary. I, think I can handle it. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm like, one of the murderous yeah. ones. I, I, I just, I don't think my, I could take it. I just don't, I think I'd be scarred for life. It's just, it's too much. Just open up and there's just pictures of cash salmon drawn all over it. <laughs> I, I, I watched, I watched the movie Rollerball and I watched it all the way through and I, I, it took me years to recover from that experience. Are we talking the first could... Rollerball, the original yeah, one? Yeah, yeah. With James Kahn, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's I mean, great. don't get me wrong, it's a classic of its time, but we, 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 we're digressing here, but I, I wasn't a big fan, I just thought it was generally quite boring. The original's um, awful. Yeah. Sorry, the remakes are even worse, mate. The yeah. original's well, the remake, terrible. Yeah. Yeah, it's got Dean Cain in it. Yeah. Oh, God. Nice. Good old, Super- good old Superman. 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 Well, um, I mean, I think we got some good mileage out of that talking point, actually. Now, we're at an hour and 15, and I did prep a little kind of surprise oh, one here. Is and- this a hand grenade? It's not. No, it's not a long kind of conversation, but it's just, it's one of those, like, how far down the rabbit hole will this take? Or will we go? Or will this oh, go? Oh, dear, go? sweet Jesus. This is not no, going no, to go well. No, no, nothing like that. I, maybe I'm not wording this properly. Let me just ask the question. So, basically, I came across a little article, and it was about Ubisoft. And they basically said they'd got a new bit of tech. Um, uh, something like tech scaler or something like that. And basically, the quote they said was, Ubisoft is aiming to make games with limitless worlds. And I thought to myself, like, I mean, Ubisoft are so well known for just endless collectathons. Do they really need a tool that lets them make a limitless open world? Because let's be honest, if they make a limitless open world game, all they're going to do is fill it with limitless collectibles. I mean, it's like, you know, it's people like me who, when they see them that, think, I'm going to go and explore that over there. It's an endless itch in your brain you're never going to get rid of if Ubisoft make an endless open world. There'd be like <laughs> five billion flags in Assassin's Creed Infinite Open World, wouldn't there? You know, it'd be like, yeah, oh, Assassin's okay, Creed Online, so, go I, and I find tot- all the flags. I totally get your points, and I really, really do. But I have touched on this before, and I have said that I would pay for a game that had a map so big that I couldn't possibly explore it. For me, that is that that's replayability right there, right? You you, you join a map and it, and you can't physically, no matter how much you play it, you cannot get so as you say, so maps so big that you will never ever. And so this is, it's one of those things where it's really dependent on the content. Having a big like, map, that was where I was going to yeah, go. <laughs> yeah, having a big map doesn't make it a good game. You can have the biggest map in the world. I remember a game many years ago called Fuel. Uh, I really loved that game, and it had possibly the biggest map for the time. It was absolutely massive. It would take you a long, long time to drive from one side to the other at full pelt. And the the problem with it was not the size of the map, but because there wasn't simply enough content within the map. So you had to drive for ages between the races just to get to the different races. As an arena to mess around with for a while, it was great, but there was just no longevity in that. People want things to do. And if you're playing yeah. things like... Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to use Project Zomboid as a, as, a, as a reference here, right? So the map no, really? of Project Zomboid... Yeah, how for, dare you? How well, very dare you? As an example. But I've played it for over 500 hours, as I said earlier on, right? And I have never been to Louisville. I've never explored the whole map. I can't. It's just 
too big. You need to prepare. You need to find a base. You need to prepare, get yourself food, and you need to get, you know, better and, and be prepared. And you probably could be more of a, a nomad moving around, but it'd be so much more difficult. The map is big, and you can buy mods that add on more map sections to it, and more and more and more. And I haven't even looked into that, because I haven't. I've also played RimWorld, where it's basically a whole planet. And you, you basically, you barely, for most games, you barely move out of the hexagon you're in. You know, you build a base and you try and survive all the onslaughts that come your way, but you never move out. Having the ability to have a map that's so huge is great for replayability if the content is there. And that, for me, is the big caveat. If the content isn't there, then there's no point. If I had GTA the GTA, where it had a map of a world that was so big that you couldn't possibly explore, it'd be great. It'd be great fun, especially if you're Jules, who just likes to go around blowing stuff up all the time. Yeah, it'd always be somebody new, somewhere new to see. Exactly. But for me... I'd want to see heists. I'd want to see adventures. I want to see single player missions. I'd want them to keep producing content for that map so that it would constantly be a place that I could experience because I like the game. I love the game and I want to keep on going. Um, that's my take. You see, interestingly, when, when I say limitless, obviously <laughs> the first place we go when we say limitless is oh, it's just a much bigger map. You know, it's an unlimited map, essentially. And you know, I'm, I'm sitting there rethinking this point. And when they say limitless, well, actually, is it an opportunity to like reinvent the map? So, you know, like we do, we see where Forza had four seasons in it, for example, didn't it? Where, you know, you'd have the summer, the winter and so on and so forth. And it would have snow right. and rain and sunny. And it, it kind of makes me wonder. I mean, the idea of this scalar technologies is very easy to build an open world. Well, what about if... You know, like Fortnite, for example, is very good at destroying its map once a season and then doing a new map. So, you know, what if they could do that on a gameplay level? So, like, you know, you're playing through the next Ubisoft's version of Fallout and you wander into Nuketown and you set the nuke off because you're a horrible person, as you do, and you want to irradiate everybody. But that fundamentally changes the entire map rather than just eviscerating Nuketown and leaving everybody dead in there. You know, is that maybe the opportunity to use this limitless technology. So instead of just having a much bigger map, they constantly reinvent the map as you play through the game. You know, maybe it's you know every month or every three months, you know, they, they do a seasonal content and something happens in the map and the entire map changes. It's, yeah, that, that doesn't feel like a limitless map. That just feels like a reinvented map every so often. I mean, I don't know. but And that's already out there. And that's already out there. Again, I was talking just to get... I hate to go back to it again, guys, but Zomboid, that has seven, that has seasons, and it changed, but it does change constantly. What you're talking about is already out there in games that aren't AAA games, you know? It's it's when you're talking about Limitless, to me, that just says, that says quantity. Hmm. All I know, all I know about this is the dude who makes the icons for the maps in Ubisoft game went to bed a very happy man that night. I mean, <laughs> very happy man. He's like, because oh, that man know? is employed oh, for oh. the next 20 years. Oh. Like, yeah. you know, but like... that's that's the thing, you know, we take the mick out of it, but there are lots of people who are completionists who do enjoy yeah. that sort of thing. Oh, it's why they do it, mate. Let's face it, Far, exactly. Far, Far Cry 6 did not sell badly. It sold pretty pretty darn well. It wasn't as well as I think they would like, but it, you know, it sold pretty damn good. It sold better than Battlefield, though. Who like that sort of game. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> it played <laughs> Why haven't we taken advice? 
apologies. This is a new, new, new thing for us to kick, isn't it? You know, we have the death I, I, of stadium. I say that, but yes, it's death of stadium. We need a new, we need a you know, toy to kick. It's like, yep, yeah, that'll do. Battlefield twenty. They had, they had a free play weekend. They had a free play weekend about a month or so, didn't they? And me and Craig downloaded it, and I played it for a while. Oh, it was all right. It's Battlefield. It wasn't broken didn't buy it, like everybody says it was. I didn't really. <laughs> Well, I didn't buy it. I'm still not going to buy it. I didn't, even, broken, I didn't it? even make it past <laughs> that, that loading screen where it tries to teach you how to play the game, and it's just an endless war yeah. in about three city blocks or something like that. It was just, oh, yeah. Battlefield was absolute. But I think again, it comes back to what we talked about last year. I think we were talking about, you know, like the, or the you know, we were talking about the next generation console, and we were talking about, you know, where's the extra processing power going to be? And I think we all agreed, you know, was it going to be on bigger maps? Um, you know, and I remember a game many years ago, I can't remember what it's called, but I think I mentioned it at the time, where I think it was called IGI or something. It was called IGI. And basically, it was just a self-creating map. Once you, yeah, Project IGI, and once you left the confines of the area that they designed, it was just like, it just created random mountains and bridges. And you, yeah. uh, you could just carry on walking forever. But it's, exactly, that was the word I was looking for. Thank you, Chris. Procedurally generated. And the point is, is that it's great. You know, it's a novelty for a while. But Again, it comes down to if there's nothing to do there, then essentially, why do you play games? You play games to have experiences, to go, wow, that was amazing, or feel like you've done something special to do that. And just having open areas is just just not going to fulfill anything. And we said with the extra processing power, what, what we think is going to happen is you're going to have games that are going to have much more depth to them. So the world that you inhabit will feel more livable. And people like, it's like you think playing like The Sims, for example, or Sim City or City Sky. Skylines. You know, the people that live in that city are more believable. You can actually go into their houses and go in, you know, the processing power would be there to be able to do that, to have a really believable living environment with, with people that, you know, are doing random things left and right. Does that mean limitless? I mean, I mean, Alan, for a man who didn't have a lot to say this week, you, you've managed to say it quite a lot again, mate. That's what I love about Well, what this. can I say? Well, I don't know when to shut up. That's why I'm on the board. We have. I can confirm we have exhausted this week's topics of discussion. So I think on that note, we're wrapping up a, a marginally, a slightly shorter podcast than normal. So thank you, gentlemen. It's been a pleasure as always. Goodbye from Alan. Bye-bye. Or not. Goodbye <laughs> from Chris. All hail the cash salmon. And it's a cash salmon from me. <laughs> Cast some on! Bye! Bye. <laughs> See ya! Thanks a lot. Illogical. <laughs>